Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Coogee Voice. Today, we're talking with Councillor Paula Marcellus, who's the Mayor of Waverley Council. In this episode, we talk about the big issues in Waverley Council, including overdevelopment and urban development, including preserving our history and heritage. We discuss the Building Futures program where Waverley Council is leading the way in environmental sustainability and protection, and we give an update on the Bondi Pav, the Boot Factory, and the Bronte Surf Lifesaving Development. Thanks for listening to Coogee Voice. And that program has actually saved 23% estimated common area energy use reductions, 198 tonnes estimated carbon emissions avoided each year and almost $40,000 annual cost savings. I certainly as a representative feel that this level of engagement gives me a very direct access to how my, my community is feeling on things. So I hope to be that I can actually represent them clearly and fairly. I think that it's beholden on women like you and I who are in these positions to be able to mentor women coming through, young women, but also older women as well, particularly women who've decided that, yes, they want to be involved in in representation because they've now had their families and they want to go back into doing something meaningful. Welcome to Coogee Voice. Now, before we get into our interview, how long have you been living around the eastern suburbs and why Bronte? I moved to Bronte about 35 years ago, in fact, when I first came to Sydney from Brisbane and far north Queensland, uh, because I've lived in both those areas. I originally was looking at the inner west, but then when I was introduced to Bronte by my then partner who became my husband a bit later on, I fell in love with it because I'm actually a very much a, a water person. And at that time, Bronte was not developed at all. You could go down to Bronte at 10 o'clock on a Sunday and you'd have your pick of parking outside where all the, the coffee shops are now. And even now though, it's got a wonderful village feel, a wonderful sense of community. And for me, it's it's a sanctuary and I feel very honoured to be one of the caretakers of, of Bronte so that we can look after it and hand it on to our children. And what do you love most about the eastern suburbs? Look, it's a highly cosmopolitan area. Uh, people from all sorts of walks of life um, you've got um, people who've lived there for many years. You've got people who've come into the area. You have visitors. You've got tourists. There's a vibrancy. Uh, we have perhaps some of the highest uh, numbers of, of young innovators than anywhere else in Australia. So it's a hub of ideas and energy. And um, But there's, it's also the natural beauty that is completely overawing and when you go to the beach and you can see the whales and the dolphins it's something that's very grounding for me personally but it also really I think puts things into perspective and a lot of people I think in the eastern suburbs feel that way there are people who've been here for two three four generations so it's not necessarily what people think about it as being just a a money place it's a place of great diversity great beauty and, you know, I've, I've certainly loved every minute that I've lived here. 
Paula, you're the current mayor of Waverley. Congratulations. Thank now, you. what are the big issues facing Waverley Council and the Waverley local government area at the moment? Gosh, there are a lot. I mean, obviously COVID-19 and, and how we've responded to the great challenge. And I know we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But Waverley is probably one of the most densely populated area LGAs throughout Australia. We have 78,000 people in an eight square kilometre area. So it's very dense living. It's also a very desirable place to live, which means there are incredible development pressures. And we now are seeing so many high-rise towers that are being built. And the community, I think, has had enough. We've got a lot of pressure on our planning instruments to try and protect our public amenity and our residential amenity. And of course, you know, we're not always that successful in protecting those spaces. So there's a very big challenge in how we balance the increase in population densities with our infrastructure, like where are our children going to go to school? And we know that a number of our schools have said we are at capacity, we can't take any more children, but we have population growth targets. And so that's a challenge. We have ageing pipes for, for water and the pipes are bursting all the time. We've got roads that uh, are choking with congestion. The towers are creating wind tunnels and uh, impacting on solar amenity for our residents. So that's, that's really quite a challenge. And when you have such a densely populated area, the, the stress then on our public open spaces is also a challenge. And, you know, if we want to be able to add to that open space, because for many people, that's their backyard values of properties in in our community are now very expensive. So it creates a challenge for council to be able to add to that open space. On top of that, when you've actually got services, rentals are expensive. We've got Airbnb that's challenging rental space. So what does that mean for affordable housing and, and housing our homeless populations? So all of those sorts of pressures come together to create quite a challenge. Paula, I know that you're incredibly passionate about environmental protection. What is Waverley Council doing to address this? Waverley is actually punting above its weight, so to speak. There are some amazing initiatives and I'm very proud to announce that one of our key initiatives, the Building Futures Programme, where we've actually partnered with large strata buildings to reduce their emissions and operating costs. Waverley Council has just been awarded the winner of the 2020 Local Government Professionals Award for Environment and Sustainability Leadership. That's just hot off the press, Marjorie. We're very, very proud of that. And that program has actually saved 23% estimated common area energy use reductions 198 tonnes estimated carbon emissions avoided each year and almost $40,000 annual cost savings for the strata buildings. This also goes to our targets of net zero carbon emissions by 2030, which I know as a council will certainly be able to meet those target emissions. The challenge is how we bring our community with us. And I'm now looking at networking all the different environmental groups to help support that. So that's a very exciting program which is also linked to a resilience strategy, including our community resilience. So it's how we come together as a community that's socially inclusive and, and actually reaches out to ensure that as a cohesive community, we all come together to actually have a community that's well, that's resilient, that deals with environmental shocks and stresses. So a, lot that's, a lot's going on. And importantly, we're tackling climate change and we've actually declared 
a climate change and biodiversity emergency, and we've actually signed up to the Safe Climate Declaration. That is wonderful to hear. Now, Paula, there's a lot of really exciting major projects that are happening all across the Waverley Council area. Are you able to give us a little bit of an update on all of them? Gosh, there's so much. And I've been so proud to be able to be part of the team that has actually been able to implement a progressive agenda for our council that really puts our community first. So thank you for the opportunity. I think the first one that is very much on people's minds is the Bondi Pavilion. That is a very much loved building. It's iconic of Bondi. And I'm so proud to be able to say that we've handed the building over to Billcorp, which have had incredible incredibly extensive experience in restoring old buildings. And so we expect within 18 months, we'll actually have the Bondi Pavilion open again with a a five-star green rating, which is really, really wonderful. And the other thing that I'm personally very proud of is the the boot factory. Again, that is something that is is very close to the community. The community fought very hard to save the building from demolition by the opposition, the Liberal regime. And we're now repurposing the building. It used to be a manufacturing place in the 19th and 20th centuries, making shoes. We're now repurposing it for the 21st century, and it'll be manufacturing ideas. So it'll become part of a knowledge and innovation hub, which absolutely suits the the community that we have. But it's also going to remain, like the Bondi Pavilion, in the hands of the community. We want it to be a place that people can come to, explore all sorts of ideas, have their ideas challenged, and really be a place that people will find stimulating and love and adore, and it will be in service for another 100 years. We've also started a street play pilot, which is providing an opportunity for streets to actually close the streets to allow our children to once again be able to play in the streets safely. So council has a a, a program for that, all you need to apply. We have been doing a lot of work in the heritage space and we've been reviewing our heritage areas, but there's this fabulous initiative called the Charing to, to Bronte Heritage Walk that allows you to get a fabulous history that we have and Waverley is rich in history including a monument or a tribute to our wonderful women Olympians, swimming Olympians. There are three of them down at the Bronte Pump. It includes Fanny Durack, Millie Mina Wiley and Evelyn Willier, who, by the way, gave me stroke correction. So I was very honoured to have Evelyn correct my stroke. And they competed in the Berlin and the Stockholm Olympics in 1912 and 1936. And Evelyn was in the Empire Games 1938. So a fabulous history. And I'm so pleased that we can actually document that and, you know, uh, and educate our community about the rich history that Waverley has. Paula, one of the projects has been quite controversial and a lot of people are talking about is the Bronte Surf Life Saving Development. Are you able to give us a little bit of an update on where that project is right now? Absolutely. There is no doubt the, the surf club building is definitely in a very sad state. So all the community are totally in agreement that it needs to be knocked down and a new building needs to be erected. There is a, a public-private partnership between the surf club and council uh, as the surf club are a major stakeholder and they use the building and they've been able to bring some funds to that project. Now, Having said that, the community is also a really significant stakeholder in all of this because council 
in addition to being the owner of the building, we are also responsible for the management of that Crown land. So we have some very significant responsibilities there. And we have a plan of management for the Bronte Beach and Park area. And that's actually specified in our plan of management as to how council has to manage that. Now, it also means that we need to consult with the community. And we have done that twice now. We had a concept design that went out to consultation. There was uh, a very significant community engagement and the community was very exercised and engaged with this. We received almost 700 submissions. It's absolutely huge. So I'm delighted the community is so interested. There are about 11 areas that came out of those consultations. And so what we've asked now as a council for the, the project control group, which is managing this process for us, to go back and produce a new concept based on the plan of management specifications and the other is the original concept to be reviewed in accordance with those 11 outcomes which are now design review criteria. Once we've got those two concepts, they'll go back to community consultation before we then take any further decisions. There is a very strict probity process around this. So we're being very, very careful to ensure that everything is actually done correctly and to the appropriate probity guidelines. So it's it's a long process, but I think it's a very comprehensive process and it's giving everybody an opportunity to provide feedback. Paula, thank you very much for that update. Now, COVID-19 has been an incredibly stressful period for everyone living in the Waverley Council area. What has council been doing to support households and businesses during this period? Mm -hmm. Yes, Marjorie, you're absolutely correct. It has been an extremely stressful time for everyone. But I have to say that I've been so proud of our our community. In spite of the the bumpy start where we actually had a number of hotspots and Waverley was declared a hotspot for quite a while, the reality is the community came together in a spirit of collaboration and care that made me very proud to be part of the Waverley community. A number of our precincts came together and and they were actually uh, door knocking uh, the vulnerable to make sure that they were being looked after. There was a wonderful volunteer network that was set up where people were assembling uh, food boxes and care packages that were going around to people. Our own Waverley Council library staff were also calling the, the vulnerable communities to make sure that they were okay. Even though we had to close a lot of our services, we made sure we kept our staff employed because we recognise that work and employment is very important during these times of uncertainty. And then that went across to how we were caring for our businesses as well, where we instituted um, a package for our businesses, which amounted to a million dollars a month. And a lot of this was about waiving fees and rents that council was involved with. We turned off parking meters. We weren't fining people unless they were in areas where they were flaunting rules, where it made it dangerous. there were a number of those sorts of things that were um, in- instituted by by council. Importantly, we were facilitating community resilience in all of this, and uh, it is something that um, I'm proud of. Having said that, we have to be very careful we don't rest on our laurels. Given what's happened in Victoria, 
it's very important that we still practice social distancing, that we still do our hand hygiene and our our sneeze uh, protocols. Because now that as we go back to some sort of normalcy, it's very easy to forget that we're still in a pandemic. Absolutely. Now, Paula, changing gears a tiny bit, one of the things that quite often comes up in conversation around politics and government is that there are too many layers of government for people to navigate. Can you please give us a quick snapshot? Why is local government important? Oh, I am totally committed to local government. Uh, I think that it is the purest form of democracy in, in my books because you're right there. Your decisions affect the community directly and immediately. And that's not to say state and and federal don't, and they have their place for sure. But, you know, I can be down at the beach and people have no qualms but to come up and talk to me about what they think about the council decisions, what they think I should be doing to represent them. So it's that very direct form of communication. The accountability that that creates then is significant. And, and and that's the only way that it should be. It means that I certainly as a representative feel that this level of engagement gives me a very direct access to how my, my community is feeling on things. So I hope to be that I can actually represent them clearly and fairly. But when it comes to the overall three tiers of government, I also feel that you know, the work that we can actually do on the ground is almost like you're lighting the bonfire from the ground up that people engage with you very directly and because you've got that dialogue and that that trust, people will then think more broadly. So for me, local government um, has immediacy and in decision-making, but we also have significant service provision and more and more responsibility for providing services being put on the shoulders of local government, not always being uh, funded to do so, but you know, it is uh, a known fact. And I think that more and more uh, will be put on the shoulders of local government. And I think the way people have been responding to local government, particularly during this time of COVID shows, um, there is a strong role for local government going forward. I couldn't agree with you anymore. Now, Paula, you are a female mayor, which is absolutely amazing. However, women continue to be underrepresented in all levels of government. What are your thoughts around how do we get more women involved in politics? Mm. Look, that that's an issue that I've pondered um, many years now, in fact, and, and I am a woman of non-English speaking background, which makes it even harder. I have to say, uh, because you tend to be typecast, a woman and someone who didn't speak English when I first started (laughs) my life. Um, Look, I think that it's beholden on women like you and I who are in these positions to be able to mentor women coming through, young women, but also older women as well, particularly women who've decided that, yes, they want to be involved in in representation because they've now had their families and they want to go back into doing something meaningful. But it's also about not only mentoring, but for me, it's also about highlighting the skills that women can bring to positions of, of authority um, and in senior roles. We, I believe we've got a different way of looking at things, um, uh, given I believe that we've got a different way of negotiating, perhaps. Um, and while I've been mayor, I've also instituted a number of, of um, 
programs, including an oral history program of our female leaders over the years about what actually inspired them, what are their stories, uh, so that that can provide inspiration for other women who are coming through. But for me, it's about the message saying, hey, look, jump into the pool. There are lots of other women who will give you the support you need and where they're walking the path with you. So I feel that responsibility and I'm very serious in, in that. Thank you. Now, Paula, before you go, there are three big questions that we ask every single person who comes onto the show. You need to tell us what is the best beach in the eastern suburbs, where can you get the best coffee, and if you're going to buy a burger, where would you buy it from? Oh, gosh. Well, um, at the risk of sounding parochial, Bronte Beach for sure. Um, I've actually been to many, many beaches, but Bronte is stunning. I'm an ocean swimmer. It's the second most dangerous beach in uh, the eastern uh, seaboard, but it is stunning and it is beautiful. So I want to keep that one a secret, although it's <laughs> probably the secret is out by now. Um, the best coffee, um, I think Favoloso. I don't know if you know Favoloso in, um, yes, that's, that's just off Murray Street and they have beautiful food and beautiful coffee, even though the cafes down at the Bronte Beach Strip are pretty good. Favoloso has a uh, is very Italian in the in their food, and uh, so I like their their coffees very much. And gosh, the best burgers. Um, I'm sorry, I, I can't. I know it's a tough one, but you do have to pick one. Um, okay. Uh, well, I think the best burgers are at Selena's Selena's Cafe down at Bronte Beach. They don't have brioche buns; they actually use proper buns. So you don't have those awful sweet <laughs> hamburger buns and they're about so big. <laughs> and, you, and when you eat it, you, you know, typical hamburger thing, you know, it actually is an experience to eat. <laughs> These are all great attributes of a delicious burger. Absolutely. Paula, thank you so much for joining us here on Coogee Voice. It is my absolute pleasure, Marjorie, and thank you for having me and, and a shout out to all your viewers. What an informative chat that was with Mayor Marcellus. Now, if you'd like to hear more about what's going on in Waverley Council, head to waverley.newsouthwales.gov.au. You've been listening to Coogee Voice. <laughs>